What's up, everyone from all around the world, including Canada, USA, Long Island, plus the five boroughs of Brooklyn, Bronx, Manhattan, Staten Island, and Queens. I'm here to guide and help you about Anchor. Anchor is a free hosting site and phone app, which is owned by Spotify. It's the easiest, awesome way to make a podcast. Why are you wasting your money paying for a hosting site to promote your podcast with limited storages? Forget about it. Let me break it down to you. There's creation tools that allow you to record, edit, monetize, add music, intros, music outros, especially distribute your podcast to streaming platforms, uploading episodes with limited storages of your podcast right from your phones, computers, laptops, and tablets. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Plus, you get paid some money in your pocket from sponsorships. Excellent. These are the keys you need to make a podcast, including the listeners supporting your show. That way, you can listen to the episodes of my show, Off the Meat Rack Chain's New York podcast, the unfiltered comedy entertainment show about the stories mixed with entertainment news, music, real life segments, and much more. Now. Where can you find, follow, and listen to the show, you ask? You can follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram, all in one word, off the Meat Rat Chains New York podcast. Alongside with my other show, Meticulous Vibe Juice podcast, and my primary handle, G Money Stacks 555 in Queens, New York. Now, the streaming platforms goes like this. We are on Anchor. Audio Burst, Breaker, Podorama, Listen Notes, Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer, Podchaser, Pocket Cast, Podcast Addict, Player FM, TuneIn, Reason FM. We are on Podfriend, Podorama, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. If you have a dream of creating and becoming a podcaster like myself and individual friends that is co-hosting with me, go download the free Anchor app or you can check out anchor.fm to get started. Take advantage of the opportunity that's thrown in your face. If I could do it and reach success, so can you. I'm G Money Stacks. Thank you for listening. Let's go.
Yo, good evening, USA, Canada, International, Long Island, aka Strong Island, plus the five spots of Brooklyn, Bronx, Manhattan, Staten Island, and Queens. Come on in. This is your man, G Money Stacks, aka the Greginator, YouTuber, host with the most misunderstood, lonely nomad. Unstoppable independent podcaster and rookie podcaster of Lawrence in Queens, New York. And you're rocking and hanging out with the hanging out with me on the 238th episode of Off the Meat Rack Chains New York podcast, a comedy show based on various wild, crazy, fun topics in entertainment news, music, news, real life stuff, which includes a little bit of mental health, a little bit of transit, a little bit of every a little bit of everything. Um, live and direct from StreamYard alongside with YouTube and next to me is the Instagram live feed of the podcast show page on Instagram. So make sure you turn on your notifications to see me in action on Instagram live on different podcast pages. And and of course and of course to to know when each episode is going to be dropping on different days. All right. And and also um let me just remind people um let me just remind people with something if you like to support this podcast right here and other podcast shows that i do you can go to my cash up right here which is g money stacks 555 that's dollar sign capital g lowercase m o n e y capital s lowercase t a c k z 555 um once again don't be discouraged that you're not from a rich family with a lot of money it's not about that it's all about doing the best you can on whatever amount of money um you choose to donate that you desire will be appreciated all right so there you have it right there and also also another reminder is you can give a five-star rating to pod chaser alongside with pod friend and of course there's there's of course a little bit of apple podcast oh well not really apple podcast a little bit of apple podcast and um and of course spotify as well and um five star rating will be appreciated and speaking of appreciation speaking of appreciation you can go to the YouTube channel page of G Money Stacks 555, where you see all the New York episodes on there. Grab that subscribe button for me. And of course, tap the noni noni bells and enable alerts so you can be reminded on on the time of the podcast episode live stream recording. Stay tuned for more video content, upcoming episodes, previous episodes. Leave a like and a comment along with the episodes and the topics that's being discussed. And download these episodes, share the episodes, share the videos, and of course, be sure to be sure to be sure to listen, stream, and watch these episodes. All right. And um tell a friend to another friend. And of course, uh, word of mouth is important. You can spread the spread the word. 
that's very important as well. And um, that's a, and that's and that's about where I leave off with the point. So there it is, right there. And um, yes, I do. I do. Um, I do apologize for delaying this episode right here. Um, because um, I had to do a little switch up on the podcast recording schedule and um but because um episode 114 took so much time i of my other my other platform meticulous vibe juice podcast i just had to make sure that i record 237 today which i did already and here i am which you which you folks right now with episode 238 and and yes here i am and um today's episode titled future of dc comics for movies and tv series and along with various topics we're going to be getting into um but first but first let's get into Let's get into yes. Let's get into the New York mass transit files right here. Um, I already talked about the whole mental health thing already in the last episode, so I'm pretty good right now. So I'm good. So New York mass transit files. It is. Let's get into it right here. Okay, here we go. All right, so, and this is where I get my um my topics from, which is amny.com. And here's what's, what's happening here. The Metropolitan Transportation Authority is expanding its pilot program, providing space for strollers on city buses, citing overwhelming overwhelmingly positive feedback from stakeholders during a fourth month trial run as you as you folks may remember episodes ago um there was there was a protest against the mta based on the fact that the bus operators um told the customers to fold their strollers and which really made made them very upset but i'm glad they're making progress so let's get so let's um let's find out some more right here and um <clears throat> so the program is set to expand to 1000 buses on lines in all five boroughs up from the 100 from the 142 on seven lines under the under the auspices of the pilot started in September the buses denoted by exterior decals featured um, 
dedicated space for strollers for stroller users made either by removing seats near near doors or by folding up collapsible collapsible seats this will provide increased coverage and enable us to get even more feedback over the next several months and determine what our next steps are said frank anikaro senior vice president of the mta's bus division at a press conference on the upper east side tuesday the new routes to be served by stroller buses have not yet been unveiled the pilot commenced after a review of the mta's um Ertzwild ban on unfolded strollers on buses ostensibly to prevent aisle blockage by an agency working group composed of parents caregivers disability advocate advocates and transit workers it came at the months of mta board meetings populated by enraged moms deeming mta buses a nightmare for caregivers with children Neil, wow a nightmare a nightmare that can't be good that cannot be good right here man that can't be good yes so um yes a nightmare that's crazy right there and let's keep going here um <laughs> um a nightmare wow that's really crazy though man yes uh nightmare 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 where did i okay i did see this yes so um yes uh the, all right so let's see let's see let's see yes nearly a year later after intense deliberations between stakeholders and four months of the pilot under its belt the mta is declaring it a success the announcement was a blissful one for many parents who had previously been forced to collapse their stroller and hold their little one themselves lest they get kicked off the bus oh wow kicked off the bus damn damn son really really though Huh. That's ridiculous, man. That's the most ridiculous shit that I ever heard in my life, though. Yeah, I know. This is kind of crazy in a sense. Um, I know that's crazy, but anyway, anyway, so, so let me see, let me see, let me see. 
me see. Okay, so the bus used to be a mode of transit that caretakers could not physically manage or opted out of because it was too difficult and unsafe to take children out of the stroller. Parents and caretakers say this pilot is life-changing, said Christine Yearwood, head of parents advocacy group um, Upstand and a member of the working group at the press conference. It gives children so many more opportunities to learn and grow. Yearwood continued to be able to access more city institutions, libraries, community centers, museums, parks, daycare, schools, activities, and medical appointments safely and with ease. Um, it, also, it also allows parents to be part of the city. It gives us choice and opportunity in our work and personal lives. It is a huge improvement in quality of life for us. Rise Alliance, the Strap Hanger, Strap Hangers Advocacy Group also praised the pilot's expansion. As predicted, permitting open strollers on buses works and welcomes more New Yorkers on board, said Riders Alliance Executive Director Betsy Plum in a statement. MTA leaders successfully gathered stakeholder input and piloted the new program on several routes. We're very pleased to see this inclusive imp inclusive program now opening new routes to strollers in every borough as part of a robust second phase. Key among the stakeholders to give the thumbs up were members of the disabled community who had pushed back on the program, fearing it might lead to decreased accessible space on buses for people with disabilities. But the piloted stroller space ultimately did not take away any space already designated for people with disabilities, leading advocates to give their seal of approval. They won't take our space that was our first priority said elizabeth valdez systems advocate at the brooklyn center for the independence of the disabled and a working group member in an interview in quote and the second one is if they have their own designated space then they are not obstructing the aisle when a wheelchair user has to come in and out Valdez said that both of those issues have been adequately addressed to the point disabled New Yorkers could support the program. I think it's great, she said. I wish they would now make it for two strollers, the same way they would they have the space for two wheelchairs. The only outstanding unease comes from the unions. And Carl said at the press conference that feedback from transit employees was mainly positive, though there were some concerns about signage and messaging. Last week, I was I was fortunate to meet with a core group of our operators driving on these seven lines and personally listen to their feedback. It was very positive, said Anna Caro. Many finding that the new policy actually often sped up the boarding process they also noted that there were no real complaints from non-stroller customers.
Nonetheless, a spokesperson for Transit Workers Union Local 100, which represents thousands of rank and file transit employees in the five boroughs, said outlying concerns remain as the MTA expands the pilot, particularly on the potential for disputes among riders over the new seating areas, altercations that would likely fall on bus drivers to resolve. Remain concerned about this pilot program and will continue to monitor it very closely, the TWU spokesperson told AM New York Metro. There's the potential for disputes between riders and other problems that could lead to bus operators getting assaulted. Ah, man. We don't want any more bus operators getting assaulted here, man. You know what I mean? And um, speaking of which, um, speaking of which, um, so the MTA decides to open a new booth. All right. So the Metropolitan Transportation Authority on Tuesday unveiled the first of its new customer service centers set to place token booths, but with an expanded footprint aimed at enhanced local customer service. The first three S no, the first three CSCs opened Tuesday at Coney Island, Stillwell Avenue and Atlantic Avenue Barclays Center in Brooklyn and at 161st Street Yankee Stadium in the Bronx, but another 12 can be expected across the five boroughs by the end of 2023. Good luck with that one. The centers are the linchpin of the MTA's plan to reorient the role of the station agents, bringing them outside of the plec plexiglass case token booth to directly assist strap hangers. But CSCs are intended to go beyond just replacing the token booth. MTA brass avow. For one, they are much larger. An entire room with a staff health booth, but also places to sit and iPads equipped for riders to check service adversaries provide customer feedback, get information on switching to Omni, which stands for One Metro New York, and apply for reduced fares. Um, okay. Okay. Okay, the census will bring to riders backyard services that formerly require a lengthy um, schlep, schlep to MTA headquarters in Lower Manhattan, even for basic transactions like exchanging expired metric cards or applying for fair fares or other reduced fare benefits. Um, in quote, we are go, go, going with the idea of bringing customer service to customers, said MTA chair and CEO General Lieber at the opening of the Coney Island Center on Tuesday. Kind of a radical idea. Let's make it convenient for our, for our customers to do transactions with the MTA. The chair said that upon his ascendancy to the authority's top perch, he was horrified to learn how many basic customer 
customer service actions requires drop hangers to come to the MTA instead of the MTA going to them. Particularly galling uh, were early morning lines forming outside MTA headquarters to get those tasks done before heading off to work. Um, end quote. If you haven't stood on Stone Street at eight at eight o'clock in the morning when the line is forming of people who have to trek all the way from somewhere remote in the city to line up to do these not very complicated transactions, you got to see that before you dismiss this. Lever said in response to a question from AM New York Metro. To be able to do it in your neighborhood is for a lot of people. For a lot of people, a game changer. A game changer. A game changer. Yes. Game changers. Okay. Token booths were once an integral component of customer service on the subway, but they began to decline after the MCA switched from tokens to MetroCard in the 1990s, falling further to the wayside as the internet became you. Ubiquitous, ubiquitous, ubiquitous. Last year, the MTA and Transport Workers Union Local 100 reached reached an agreement to transform the role of the station agent, leaving the booth to provide more direct customer service while retaining the jobs of the clerks. Avia, um. Javier Loiza, a Staten Island resident and three-year MTA token booth clerk, is excited for the revamp role, where instead of sitting in the booth for his whole shift, he'll spend part of it on the go assisting riders. End quote. I'm looking forward to it, um, Loiza told AM New York Metro. Now it's going to be more hands-on. We're we're gonna go. We're gonna be outside the booth as opposed to inside the booth for the whole eight hours. Now we're gonna have outside contact with the customers. This is this is gonna be interesting to see, actually. Um. Um, I can't wait to see this. Actually, I never seen. Well, you can't wait to see this though. Um, for Deborah Grief, a sheep shed bay resident and longtime advocate for strap hangers with disabilities the senses are a welcome relief from the perilous and frequently inaccessible inaccessible journey to lower manhattan for customer service i'm very i'm very happy because it means i don't have to go down to stone street said grief now i can just come here with money or a debit card a customer service Customer service centers are also set to open later this year at the following stations. Starting with the Bronx. Starting with the Bronx. Um, East 180th Street on the 2 and 5 line. Fordham Road on the 4 line. Brooklyn, Myrtle and Wickoff Avenues. The L and the M trains. Manhattan. 34th Street, Penn Station, 123, train lines. Fulton Street on the 2, 3, 4, 5, ACJZ lines. 
Times Square, 42nd Street, 1237 NQRWS. 125th Street, the 456 lines. 168th Street, 1A and C lines. And Queens, Flushing Main Street, the 7 train. 7 line, yes, 7 train line. 74th Street, Jackson Heights, Roosevelt Avenue, 7 train, E train, F train, M and R lines. Southern Boulevard, Archer Avenue, JFK Airport, the E, J, and Z lines. Staten Island, St. George, S-I-R. One more transit news we got to talk about here is, hold on a second. One more thing we got to talk about here is the, uh, um, is the, uh, the, is the, uh, the taxi medallion debt. Okay, so over $350 million of taxi medallion debt has been forgiven under the city's medallion relief program for distressed cabbies, Mayor Eric Adams announced Tuesday. $350 million. Wow. Wow. Yes, that sounds like a lot of money. Yes, it is. That sounds like a lot of money. Yes, it is. Okay. Nearly 1,800 cabbies with loans from Marble Gate Asset Management have seen their loans restructured wiping $356 million in debt from the books and enabling more financial stability for the mostly immigrant taxi driving workforce. With $350 million in debt relief for nearly 1,800 taxi medallion owners already our administration is finally ending the taxi medallion crisis and turning the tide for hard-working taxi drivers who provide new yorkers and visitors with both an essential and a quint quint essential new york experience his zona said in a statement okay a quote it has been a truly rewarding and emotional experience watching hardworking drivers regain their hope and sustainable income after receiving after receiving 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 this critical support said taxi and limousine commissioner david do Okay, let's get let's get that out of here. The hype inflated market price of a taxi medallion collapsed during the 2010s as ride share services like Uber and Lyft arrived in the city, providing cabbies with serious competition. The issue was 
exacerbated by revelations the city and make major lenders purposely pumped up the price of a medallion in the years before the collapse, leading many cabbies to financial ruin and, in some cases, suicide. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That's crazy, man. Um. Wow. Wow. We don't want any more suicide, man. You know what I mean? We don't want any more of that shit, though, man. For real, for real. We don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> after rejecting a D. A deal negotiated by former mayor Bill de Blasio. Cabbies embarked on a 15-day hunger strike outside City Hall seeking a better agreement, which they ultimately won. Marblegate agreed to cap all loan balances at a maximum of $170,000 with monthly payments not to exceed $1,234 dollars all right um the medallion the medallion relief program remains a lifeline for thousands of families and its continued success gives us more hope for the remaining remaining lenders to come on board said um Baravi Desai of the New York Taxi Workers Alliance, a union repping thousands of cabbies. We're so thankful Mayor, Ar- Mayor Adams made this serious commitment to our members who give all they have to make our city run. In November, yellow cab drivers secured their first raise in a decade, winning increases in base and per unit fares as inflation caused cost of living to soar. Their colleagues driving Ubers and Lyfts also saw their pay raised by the TLC, but that raise is on hold pending the result of a lawsuit by Uber. Well, well, that's that's pretty that's pretty crazy though, man. But it's interesting to see what's going on with um with everything that's going down and um let's see all right so we all right so we got some wild crazy and fun topics to talk about in a segment that i like to call chatting all the jazz and one in particular actually there's two topics actually so one in particular has to do with DC Comics. The other one has to do with Black Sheep um, following a lawsuit due to payment and royalties. Um, let's get to let's get to let's get to Black Sheep. Let's get to Black Sheep and the story behind it. Hold on a minute, man. 
All right, so let's get to it right here. And chatting on the jazz, the segment. Let's go. Okay. Our main topic, um, before we even get to the DC stories, let's talk black sheep. Let's talk black sheep, man. Seriously, because because this one right here is pretty important. You know what I'm saying? Especially to music artists and stuff, man. You know what I'm saying? So, um, all right. So, black sheep has rate. Black Sheep has raged a legal war against Universal Music Group, according to Complex. The 1990s hip-hop duo composed of Andres Drez Vargas Titus and William Mr. Lange McLean is spearheading a hefty class action lawsuit over unpaid royalties. According to Billboard, the plaintiffs claim UMG inked a sweetheart deal with Spotify in 2008, agreeing to to accept lower lower royalty rates in exchange for cash and equity. Um, Equity in the streaming service. The complaint filed Wednesday in a Manhattan federal court alleges UMG failed to disclose the details of the deal and only counted the cash when it distributed royalty payments. Black Sheep claims the company retained the stock for itself and withheld hundreds of millions of dollars in royalties owed to thousands of artists. Ooh. Oh Lord. Damn, son. Damn, son. You know, I would be so upset if this was to happen to anybody that I know that's a music artist, though, man. For real, for real. For real, for real. That would be that'd be crazy though, man. I, I don't even that's terrible, man. You know what I'm saying? That's terrible right there. Anyways, <laughs> anyway, that, that right there, yeah. This is a lesson for upcoming new artists and stuff, man. You wanna make sure that you don't get screwed over by um by uh by record labels and stuff you know what i mean record labels are a shady business you know what i'm saying so um a umg spokesperson denied the allegations in a statement to billboard saying its artists have been properly compensated universal music groups innovative leadership has led to the the renewed growth of the music ecosystem to the benefit of recording artists songwriters and creators around the world the representative said, um, the representative said, uh, UMG has a well-established track 
of fighting for artist compensation and the claim that it would take equity at the expense of artist compensation is patently false and absurd. Given that this is pending litigation, we cannot comment on all aspects of the complaint. <sighs> That's crazy, man. And and this is where I sh- this is where I segue into um into the black eyed peas. That's foul for um Universal Music Group to do some shady shit like that, man. And and speaking of shady, um, if I'm in the black eyed peas, can a unicorn toy that poops sparkling slime also function as a form of cultural criticism? Or if that toy tweaks the lyrics of a popular song, it is simply exploiting the market for that song without con- without contributing anything to the cultural discourse. These are questions that will sooner or later be submitted to a federal judge in the Southern District of New York. After BMG Rights Management filed a lawsuit on Thursday against the manufacturer of the Poopsie Slime Surprise collectible toy. Poopsie Slime Surprise is a brand. <laughs> oh, shit. Poopsie. <laughs> oh, shit. What kind of fucking name is that for a company, man? That <laughs> oh shit. Oh my gosh, man. So Poopsie Slime Surprise is a brand of slime pooping unicorn that currently retails for 100 to $300 on Amazon. Oh wow. Oh wow. $100 to $300. Ah, wow. I don't know. I don't know. People would do any. People would do anything to get a quick buck, though. But um, <laughs> but I think they need to change the name of that shit, though, man. Seriously, that name sounds so weird. And and man, okay. Yeah, unfortunately, the, the, yeah, hold on a second, man. Hold on a second. Um, in addition to pooping slime, the toy also dances to a song called My Poops. Whenever it, its heart shaped belly button is pressed, the manufacturer, MGA Management, has also produced an animated video in which unicorns dance to the song. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably that's probably not gonna go so well so well anyway. Um BMG's lawyer alleges that my proofs infringes on Black Eyed Peas surprise hit surprise 2005 hit single My Humps. 75% of whose publishing rights belong to BMG thanks to a corporate acquisition. The suit claims and a review of each song genius. And annotation confirms that the two compositions bear a strong re- resemblance. Um, <clears throat> first, the title of the infringing work 
is my poops, which is an obvious play on the name of the copyrighted composition, My Humps, wrote BMG's Laura Seth L. Berman and of Abrams Festerman LLP. Berman goes on to list some similarities, including the melody, counter melody, lyrics, chord progression, and the use of a lead singer who uses a similar delivery and vocal inflections as used by Fergie on the original sound recording. Okay, first of all, first of all, first of all, the name of the company is so fucking ridiculous. Name of the company is so fucking ridiculous right there, man. And and I, I wanna actually say I wanna actually say this is so fucking ridiculous and so fucking the the name of the company itself sounds so fucking disgusting, man. I think they need to change the name of the damn fucking shit to something else, man. Like that right there, I I, I don't know if I like the name my poops. My poops is so. <laughs> that shit sounds so fucking disgusting, man. It shit sounds so disgusting to me right there, man. That shit sounds disgusting. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, man. Talk about talk about crash. Talk about these people. These people are crashing and burning, man. Unfortunately, man. Yes, so yeah, the name of it, the name of this shit is so fucking disgusting. I I don't really understand why would you call a company that, but I digress, man. This is fucking ridiculous. Um. Anyway, uh, so the melody. Wait, where did I? Oh, okay. So, MGA Entertainment first released the toy in time for the christmas 2018 shopping season the suit alleges that when bmg became aware of the infringement it sent mga a cease and desist letter which the toy make toy maker ignored according to the suit the company has not licensed the song and yet continues to profit from it having generated tens of millions of dollars in revenue for um defendant mga did not respond to a request for comment on friday the company could argue that my poops is a parody of my humps and is this and is thus protected as fair use in campbell versus a cuff rose music in 1994 the supreme court held that parody can be a form of comment or criticism on the original work which is protected by the copyright act of 1976 but that does not mean that the toy maker is automatically in the clear. Judges look at fair use claims 
on a case-by-case basis, applying a four-factor analysis. At its heart is the question of whether the new the new work is transformative, transformative of the original, or whether it simply copies the original and substitutes for it in the marketplace. Berman is no stranger to such analysis. A few years ago, he represented the estate of the notorious B.I.G. in a copyright lawsuit. A poet, um, A.B.L. Dunn, um, Oye, Oye Wo, alleged that Biggie stole a three-word phrase, party and bullshit, from a 1968 poem entitled When the Revolution Comes. Berman argued that it was fair use and prevailed. Come on, man. That's 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 a fucking reach. That's a fucking reach right there, man. Believe me. That's a fucking reach. That's a fucking reach right there, man. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's really a reach, man. So I don't know, but this is tough. This is very tough actually to actually get into the whole um the whole thing um this is gonna be a hard battle for the black eyed peas to win this so we'll see what happens and um let's see what else 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 oh we need oh wait a minute here 2022 yes we need to talk about that too we need to talk about that as well um i forgot to talk about that shit too um yes yes so i forgot to mention this um yes 2022 here we go um yes so 2022 okay more children were killed in traffic collisions in 2022 than any year since the city adopted adopted vision zero as a principle according to a new report from safe street advocacy organization transportation alternatives 16 children were killed on city streets in traffic crashes last year more than any year since 2014 the year vision zero the idea that policy making should aim to entirely eliminate eliminate traffic deaths on city streets was adopted by the administration of former mayor Bill de Blasio. The decreased include five-year-old um, Yakal uh, Farhai, who was struck by a BMW driver in February outside his Midwood home, succumbing to his injuries three months later. Five, another five-year-old boy, Jonathan Martinez, died in September after being struck by a pickup truck driver while crossing the street in East Amherst, Queens, New York. The driver who fled the scene was charged with hit and run and driving without a license. Up in the Bronx, 16-year-old um, Alisa Kolinovic was killed in May after being struck by a box truck in Morris Park. The, the driver was arrested and charged with failure to yield. Oof. 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 Oh, man. 
Man, man, man. That that really sucks right there, man. Um that really has to suck. Um man, let's hope this year we don't get any more people getting hit by vehicles. Cause that that right there is that right there really sucks. Yeah, that right there, that really sucks, though. Um, All New Yorkers should be able to walk on the sidewalks, ride a bike, wait for the bus, and cross, and cross the street without fearing for their lives, said Leanna Ollis, a member of Families for Safe Streets, in a statement. Instead, traffic violence continues to rob New Yorkers of their children, parents, siblings, friends, and loved ones. Overall, 255 people lost their lives on the city streets last year, according to the report, which analyzed data from the city's Department of Transportation. That includes 118 pedestrians and 17 cyclists. The total is down from the 273 killed in 2021, a Vision Zero record, but a 24% increase from a low of 216 in 2018 elected officials say the numbers should propel the city into action to stop the carnage every traffic death is preventable and it's heartbreaking and infuriating that even more new yorkers are being killed by cars than before the slamdemic said public advocate um jamani williams it's shameful that nine years after Vision Zero was launched, we're losing record numbers of children to traffic violence. We must make choices and changes today to save lives in the future. From drivers to pedestrians to our neighbors who rely on mobility devices. All New Yorkers deserve to live in communities with safe streets, said the city council speaker, Adrian Adams. The increase in traffic fatalities since 2018 is alarming, particularly the rise in children killed by um, traffic violence. Behind every crash is a family and community impacted by preventable tragedies, and it is critical that we advance um, equitable policies and investments that will result in safer streets for all. Hmm.
So the council plans to hold an oversight hearing on Vision Zero next month. A spokesperson said, though it has not yet been put on the public schedule, the NYPD recorded 79 hit and runs hit and run incidents in 2022 below the 93 scene in 2021 but otherwise the highest number since the department started publishing statistics on leaving the scene of collisions in 2016 analyzing the data transportation alternatives found that just four hit and runs were solved by police in 2022 what's more the data shows glaring racial disparities the nonprofit found since 2017, 55% of hit and runs in majority white precincts were solved or saw suspected arrested. But that stat was only 36% in precincts with majority non-white populations. The city, the city's deadliest city council district in 2022 was District 8, straddling two boroughs in East Harlem and the South Bronx with 6.2 fatal crashes per 100,000 residents, Transalt found. The deadliest over an eight-year period between 2014 and 2022 was District 28, represented by Speaker Adams. The nonprofit is arguing the city to beef up its work on implementing the city streets plan by expediting the construction of bus lanes and protected bike lanes. They also suggest that they also suggest the Adams administration scale up its dangerous vehicle abatement program where the city can impound the vehicles of the road, the road's most reckless drivers if they fail to take an, an optional road safety course. As for comment, DOT referred AM New York Metro to, to a press release from earlier this month where Eric Mayor Eric Adams touted the year-over-year decline in traffic deaths between 2021 to 2022. His owner highlighted the 6.3% decrease in pedestrian deaths between 2021 and 2022. The fact that cyclist deaths have declined for three years in a row, and that traffic deaths remain well below pre-vision zero levels. Across the board, the numbers are clear. New York City is getting safer, the mayor said on January 6th, while traffic fatalities rise across the country. We are making major actions like improving 1,400 intersections and turning on speed cameras 24-7, making our streets safer for pedestrians, cyclists, and drivers. Even if, even as we see significant progress, our North Star remains Vision Zero, and we will continue working towards a day when no one dies from traffic violence in New York City. Pedestrian deaths in 2022 were 25%, 25% higher than a low of 94 in 2020, though that may be explained by COVID-19, keeping people hunched in their homes for several months. Uh, yes. All right, so, uh, okay. Um, all right, so, all right, so we need to, we need to get into, 
Um, the future, the future of DC Comics for mo- for movies and TV series. Um, and uh, yeah, let's get in. Let's get into. Let's get into the DC thing because this is important to the DC peep fans out there. And uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um. <clears throat> so so there are four upcoming DC movies releasing in 2023 and Warner Brothers has even more in various stages of development starting with Shazam Fury of the Gods in March co-CEOs James Gunn and Peter Safran have full have a full slate of new DC movies planned despite the WWB shakeups and cancellations of multiple DC movies and shows. Fans of the DCEU still have plenty to look forward to over the coming years as the, as do those waiting for standalone DC films like Joker, Foley, Adu, or The Batman 2. For some long-awaited DC comics movies like Man of Steel 2 or the Justice League sequel, however, the future is still uncertain. Um, okay. And um the current slate of upcoming DC movies barely resembles the plan for the DCEU laid out by Warner Brothers in 2013. Comics, movies like Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, Wonder Woman 1984, and Justice League didn't achieve their objectives, but previously lesser-known characters in DC Comics like The Suicide Squad, Shazam, and Black Adam proved to be hits with audiences. The DC movies 2023 lineup, the lineup, um, lineup, lineup is a mix of established and new faces and the potential upcoming dc movies for 2024 onward will likely feature uh will likely feature 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 even more movies focusing on characters outside the core justice league roster here's every dc movie coming up in 2023 2024 so for starters, Shazam Fury of the Gods comes out March 17th. Actually, yeah, March 17th, March 17th, 2023. The first on the list of upcoming DC movies is Shazam 2, which arrives on March 17th, 2023, and is subtitled Fury of the Fury, Fury of the Gods, excuse me. Shazam was both a critical and commercial hit, and fans clearly want more of Zachary Levi's childish superhero. David F. Sandberg is back is back to the director's chair and DC Films has nabbed Helen Marin and Lucy Lias as villains, Hespera and Calypso. Shazam Fury of the Gods was initially pegged to take DC's holiday season 2022 slot. However, in August, WB made another schedule shuffle and Shazam 2 was pushed back to 2023 
at the at the time of writing the shazam 2 release date is still march 2023 shazam fury of the guards releasing close to black adam has many wondering if the two will connect prior to a black adam 2 or shazam 3. um despite there being no plans for either among upcoming dc movies outside dceu building many moviegoers are simply excited that one of the of the freshest most interesting and light-hearted superhero franchises offered by dc shows no signs of stopping shazam isn't a character as well known as superman for example but the critical reception to his first big screen outing might indicate that this will change as time goes on. The Flash. Featuring Ezra Miller's return as the titular hero, The Flash has made the most turbulent production of all the upcoming DC movies and has gone through directors at a speed even Barry Allen would admire. Thankfully, with IT's Andres Muschiati at the helm. Things are actually moving forward with a June 16th, 2023 release date. The Flash will introduce, will introduce the multiverse of the DCEU, bringing back both Michael Keaton's Batman from the Tim Burton movies and Ben Affleck's Batman from Zack Snyder's the Flash will also introduce the DCEU's Supergirl played by Sasha Kale, with Ron Livingston taking over for Billy Crudup as Barry's father, Henry Allen. After being cut from the from Justice League um, and then restored by the Snyder Cut, um, Kiersey Clemens will make her um, canonical DCEU debut in a story that takes inspiration from DC's Flashpoint and begins with Barry attempting to undo his mother's death with so much potential behind the film. The Flash might become the most important film in DC's future. However, many fans are already calling for Ezra Miller's replacement after the star's controversial conduct. Despite WB and DC's best efforts, both of their two biggest biggest Justice League spinoffs, The Flash and Aquaman, still have far from certain futures. Blue Beetle. WB has wanted to include Blue Beetle among their upcoming DC movies since late 2018, but only in early 2021 when angel manuel soto was announced as director did production on the blue beetle movie began moving forward blue beetle is now releasing on august 18 2023 soto since confirmed blue beetle will be set within the dceu and despite initial reports about it being an hbo max exclusive blue beetle will be buzzing onto the big screen as one of the DC movies 2023 theatrical releases like tw like 2022 Black Adam Blue Beetle is one of several new DC movies to focus on a character those unfamiliar with 
um, DC might not recognize. Cobra Kai's um, Zolo Mariduana Duana has been cast as the as the Blue Beetle himself, um, known to his friends as Jamie Reyes, and filming filming was announced as wrapped in mid 2022 one of blue beetles villains will possibly be carpax the indestructible man as sicario's um raul trujillo has been cast in the role bruna mark Bruna Marquez Marquezin will play Jamie's love interest Penny, and Susan Sarandon is leading her talents to this 2023 DC movie as Victoria Cord, the main villain of the Blue Beetle movie. Aquaman, the sequel, one of the most anticipated DC movies, Aquaman. Man and the Lost Kingdom comes to the heels of James Wan's Aquaman earning more than $1.14 billion at the worldwide box office and the confirmed Aquaman 2 release date is December 25th, Christmas Day, 2023. Wan returns as director and Jason Momoa is reprising his role of Arthur, a- Arthur Curry, a.k.a. Aquaman. Aquaman Aquaman's mirror Amber Heard, Orm Patrick Wilson, at Atlanta Nicole Kidman, and Black Manta, Yah, Yah Abdul Martin II, all returning as well. And the sequel's title is speculated as referring to the underwater city Nicris. Wow. 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 After a few delays due to wider DCEU reshuffles, the release date for Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom was set for March 2023. However, Aquaman 2 was once more delayed and given its current 25th December 2023 release date. This was reportedly so that the VFX team could ensure post-production is as solid as possible. It's possible the aquatic Avatar The Way of Water from Disney also made WB want to reschedule Aquaman and The Lost Kingdom to avoid comparisons. Many fans weren't happy about this decision, though not only is this the latest delay of many, but this time Aquaman 2's issues also caused delays to Shazam 2, which took Aquaman's Aquaman 2's previous March slot in the DC movie's 2023 schedule. Um, 
and um of course the sequel to the joker thankfully the continual reshuffling of the upcoming dc movie slate hasn't disrupted the joker fully ado um the standalone joker but the trend for recent dc movies in that it was both critically acclaimed and kept fans of the clown prince of crime happy Alongside the Suicide Squad, it is perhaps the highlight of DC's output uh, in the last few years. Joker Foley Adu is confirmed to have an October 4th, 2024 release date. And since it's not part of the DCEU, fans can be much more confident that it'll actually materialize as promised. Joaquin Phoenix is back as Arthur Fleck giving joker's box office success as the studio optioned a sequel even though joker wasn't made with one in mind todd phillips todd phillips is also back in the director's chair joker 2 will co-star lady gaga confirmed as a new spin on harley quinn and it will apparently also be a musical somewhat fittingly given the pop powerhouse's presence fully a do is a psychological term defined as a delusion shared by two people in close connection. Other confirmed cast members include Catherine Keener, Brandon Gleason, and a returning Zazie Beats. Superman Legacy. Hmm. Superman Legacy releasing on July 11, 2025. We'll see Superman back in James Gun James Gunn's revitalized DCU. Despite what the title suggests, Superman Legacy won't be an origin story. Rather than rather this installment to the upcoming DC movie slate will focus on Clark Kent attempting to balance both his Kryptonian heritage and his human upbringing. Gunn has revealed that he'll be focusing on a much younger Superman than previous DCU films. Written by James Gunn, Superman Legacy will be seen as the jumping off point for James Gunn's takeover and reformation of the DCU. Unfortunately, as I talked about in episode 219 and 220 about Henry Cavill will not be returning for this installment on the upcoming DCU movies roster. That means the hunt for the new Superman has officially begun. While the movie will feature a younger Clark Kent, he'll still be old enough to work at the Daily Planet. No official director has been attached to Superman Legacy, but there's always the possibility that James Gunn will step in since he's already writing the movie. And sequel to the Batman. The Batman Part 2 is part of the upcoming DC movies list, and the film will hit the big screen on October 3rd, 2025. Matt Reeves' The Batman is getting a sequel as well as a few spin-off series like the like Penguin and Arkham Asylum. Robert Pattinson will once again play Bruce Wayne, and the last movie ended with several options for the Batman 2 story. Current speculation is that Reeves has set up an adaptation of the popular No Man's Land story, where Gotham becomes a battleground cut from cut off from the mainland U.S. at the horrific earthquake. 
Wow. Horrific earthquake. Okay. That sounds very, very, very scary to me. That's very scary. Uh, wow. That's a very scary thing to hear, actually, if you really want to be technical and honest. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, as with all upcoming Batman movies, the speculation is as much on the villain as it is the Cape Crusader, and many are hopeful <clears throat> um, the Batman 2 will show more of the Barry um, um, Kogan Joker briefly introduced at the end of the Batman. Now being branded as the Elseworlds storyline, other characters such as Catwoman, played by Zoe Kravitz, the Penguin, played by Colin Farrell, the Riddler, played by Paul Dono, Alfred Pennyworth, played by Andy Serkis, and Jim Gordon, played by Jeffrey Wright, are likely to reappear in the Batman sequel. Presumably, Matt Reeves will return to direct his gritty rendition of Gotham gotham city but the new the batman villain is the news everyone is waiting for hmm and um of course on to less certain new dc movies a black canary solo movie has been on the cards for a while 2020's birds of prey was a critical hit but a box office flop leaving DC movies debating if a sequel would prove worthwhile. The DC rumor will rumor the DC rumor in the air mill suggests that Smollett's Black Canary would appear once again in Batgirl before her solo movies arrived. But since WB unceremoniously pulled the plug on Batgirl, fans will never know. In August 2021, a Black Canary spinoff movie was finally announced with Journey Smollett reprising her role as Dinah Lance, a.k.a. Black Canary. Initially pegged to release as an HBO match original, Misha Green is screenwriting, but there's no news on a director, release date, or supporting cast yet. Black Canary is thought to be arriving sometime in 2023, or 2024 whether it will remains to, well whether it will remains to be seen if the black canary movie will go straight to streaming is unknown too since warner media has indicated they want to move away from this direction and focus on theatrical releases for upcoming dc movies so there is no release date um for for the Black Canary movie. So if I hear anything, I'll bring it to you right here on this platform. And Static Shock, another another one that's not um that has no release date quite yet. So originally announced at DC Fandom 2020, Michael B. Jordan is attached in a producing role. 
to a Static Shock movie, assumed to be an HBO Max project at this early stage. Although, again, the state of HBO Max projects is known, it's now unknown. Jordan described his venture as a new universe centered around black superheroes, suggesting Static Shock would not be included in DCEU canon but instead trigger a whole new superhero streaming franchise possibly based on the miles comics character randy mckinnon is writing the script but little else is known but about the big screen debut of virgil hawkins aka the titular status shock okay another 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 project that has no release date is the authority so the authority um was announced with the rest of james gunn's upcoming dc movie slate which is exciting considering the dc superhero team hasn't been adapted to the big screen before the authority first originated in the late 90s under wildstorm which was run by the now head of publishing at dc comics jim lee the, the authority is a very different type of DC superhero team as they often go to extreme methods to get the job done. The authority takes a much more realistic approach to the team of heroes, similar to the boys, and provides a gritty backdrop which made the indie comic famous. No director or writer has been announced for the upcoming the authority movie nor has a release date been set but it's likely since james gunn's sole focus is the dcu that more information will be coming soon another remains to be seen so the brave and the bold um the dcu will be getting a whole new superman and a new batman next up on the upcoming dc movies list is the brave and the bold which will be the first new batman movie of the revitalized dcu um the brave and the bold will reportedly cast a new batman and a new robin as well as rock as batman's estranged murderous son who was brought up by assassins and introduced in the grant morrison comic storyline no one has been attached to the brave and the bold as of yet meaning the hunt for the new batman is officially on and there will be pr plenty of contenders to boot another movie with no release date is supergirl woman of tomorrow next up on the upcoming dc movie slate is supergirl woman of tomorrow which was officially announced with the rest of james gunn's dc list dc movie slate excuse me the new supergirl movie should be should hit the big screen as few years after superman legacy but no official release date has been confirmed supergirl will be in stark contrast to superman as the former was raised on krypton and witnessed horrific events for 14 years before making her way to earth gun promises a different take on supergirl in general making her a much more formidable force than previous iterations of the character like the new dcu batman and superman supergirl has yet to be cast and 
The story and release date hasn't been revealed. However, Gunn has revealed that the story will be based on Tom King's iteration of the character. It's been rumored that the movie could premiere in 2027, but this is just speculation. And another movie, which was the TV show, Swamp Thing. The final entry on the confirmed upcoming DC movies roster is the new Swamp Thing. The feature film promises to bring a horror element to Gunn's revitalized DCU and closes out their version of an MCU phase, which is titled Gods and Monsters Chapter 1. Swamp Thing will cover the, the monster's origin story and while it's a total a tonal departure from the rest of the DCU, it will still feed into other stories. Swamp Thing is one of the new upcoming DC movies with an attached director who is James Mangold um, from Logan and Indiana Jones 5. Swamp Thing's gothic horror begin, excuse me, origins haven't been brought to screen since the initial 1982 movie. It'll be interesting to see how Gunn takes on the character. Okay. So what the new plans mean for upcoming DC movies? Let's see. Um, Hold on. see all right um in december 2022 the news broke um via the hollywood reporter that james gunn and peter sanford's plans for the new dcu slash dceu meant bigger changes to the upcoming dc movies lineup than anyone anticipated Patty Jenkins, Wonder Woman 3 star Gal Gadot appears to have been put on hold indefinitely, which I will get to next. Um, since the Wonder Woman franchise has was considered one of the safest IP in the DC Comics movie stable, this news came as a huge shock, as did the indication to that, that a sequel to Black Adam was also far from certain despite Dwayne Johnson lauding the profitability of the movie and rumors of a Hawkman spinoff circulating just days earlier. Black Adam was also notable because it reintroduced Henry Cavill as Superman to the DCEU. This led to speculation about Man of Steel 2 or a sequel to Justice League. But neither is as close to materializing as the Black Adam post-credit scene um, caused fans to hope. With Gunn and Saffron branching out in a fresh direction for new and upcoming DC movies, it's possible the old DCEU will be all but left behind, including the Justice League. There's even talk of recasting some of the core members with Jason Momoa Memoir is reportedly eyeing up the role of Lobel instead of Arthur Curry. 
Um, whatever lies in store beyond the DC movies 2023 schedule, it will almost certainly be vastly different from what came before. Every other movie, every other DC movie in development. Um, in addition to all the movies on WB's official upcoming DC movie slate, there are several more in various stages of development, some of which are connected to the DCEU, DCU, and some that aren't. Potential DC projects come and go, with some canceled almost immediately following announcement, and others being pulled only a few months prior to their supposed um, release like Batgirl. With um, DC movies, it's best not to pre presume they are happening until they are their trailers circulating, it seems. Here are all the rumored upcoming DC movies that may or may not see released. So, of course, obviously, why Wonder Woman 3 isn't happening? What went wrong? Um, so the Lego Batman movie director, Chris McKay, was directing Nightwing based on a story and script from Bill um, um, Dubuque um, Ozark, which now seems to be in production limbo. There, There's also a Black Hawk movie that will be produced and possibly be possibly directed by Steven Spielberg, but with the acclaimed director working on other projects that may be a few years off. James Gunn has confirmed he will be working directly on another DC Studios film, although the characters involved are unknown. Um, Warner Brothers has been attempting to develop a Suicide Squad spin-off starring Will Smith as Deadshot since the 2016 movie release, but this seems to be on hold following Smith's Oscar controversy. Um, how Supergirl's DCEU suit compares to past versions and what it reveals. There was also a Gotham City Sirens movie announced starring Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn teaming up with Catwoman and Poison Ivy, but this project seems to have stalled following the financial failure of the similar team-up Birds of Prey. Um, one of the longest in development project has been a Metal Metal Man movie directed and written by Barry Sonnefield, which was first announced in 2007. In 2021, Sonnefield suggested that the development process was still ongoing. A Zatanna movie was also originally scheduled for HBO Max with promising young women writer Emerald Fennell writing the script, but its status also seems to be in limbo following the move away from HBO Max projects for upcoming DC movies in 2023 and beyond. Okay, so um, let me see. Let me see if there's any other topics that I need to get to. Um, I need to get to and stuff. Oh uh, yeah, so let me get let me um okay, DC movies. Here's what to expect. 
Oh, let's talk about why. Let's talk about why Wonder Woman 3 has been scrapped. That's crazy, man. Let's talk about that though, man. Hold on. Um <clears throat> All right, so let's get into why Wonder Woman three has been has been scrapped. Let's take a look. While fans grapple with the idea of losing Wonder Woman three from the future of the DCU, a report has suggested that despite James Gunn and WBD bosses getting getting the blame for the scrapping of the movie, it could actually all come down to director Patty Jenkins. Excuse me. The latest news on the movie's demise is that Jenkins was asked to provide another treatment for the film, but she decided that it was not something she had any intention of doing. As report as reported by Deadline, the creative differences between the movie Jenkins has already written and where WBD wants the film to go are a long way apart, and there are there were a number of concerns around it, according to the report. Oh boy. So, oh my gosh. So, um, Jenkins was given the chance to take another stab at another Wonder Woman 3 treatment after receiving notes from all Warner Brothers motion picture brass. It wasn't just Gunn and Saffron's decision, there were concerns about character arcs and payoffs. And the threequel, emulating similar structural problems a la Wonder Woman 1984, she decided to take her toys and go home. <clears throat> While at the moment Wonder Woman 3 in its current form is dead, there is still a desire from the studio to continue Wonder Woman's story. Wow. Wow. Woman's story. Damn, son. <clears throat> Man. <clears throat> so the shit is dead. Unfortunately, you're not going to see a release date for Wonder Woman 3. That sucks. That really sucks right there, man. If you want to get technical. That sucks. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no! Yes. Um, <clears throat> let me just get where did I leave off? Okay. Okay. So this is where I left off. Um, okay. While at the, yeah. So, so how this will now come about is something that will likely take a while to sort out. As if Jenkins really has abandoned the movie, then the changes will begin with a new writer, and that takes time. Um, 
Oh boy. Um, <clears throat> this is crazy. All right, so the world seems to learn about Wonder Woman 3's troubles before even its star Gal Gadot. Only a couple of days ago, Gadot, 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 um, however you pronounce it, um, shared a post on her Twitter account where she shared her love for the character, her fans, and even and even teased more to come about her third movie, she said, and quote, a few years ago, it was announced that I was going to play Wonder Woman. Um, I've been so grateful for the opportunity to play such an incredible, iconic character, and more than anything, I'm grateful for you. The fans can't wait to share the next her next chapter with you. Only in October did Jenkins offer a huge update on how things were going with Wonder Woman 3. The director reminisced about how she had never planned on doing more than one Wonder Woman movie, but there was something about the franchise that just kept pulling her back in. She commented in the end quote, and so there there where I said that I was only going to do one, then, oh my God, I have to do two. And then I find myself saying, oh my God, I'm antsy to do three. And so even now I say, that's it. Because I always plan a three movie arc. There is a story that goes through these three different movies as a whole. But even now, I just wrote last week the final scene of Wonder Woman 3, and I thought I might be interested to see what happens next. So you'll never know. They have asked us to think of ways to do more, and it accidentally happens. But you'll never know. I have a lot of other films that I'm excited to do as well, and I love Gal Gadot, so that makes it better too. Um, now it looks like Jenkins' rule rule of three has been known has been thrown out as far as Wonder Woman is con concerned. All fans of the character can do now is wait and see how things turn out further down the line. Where this leaves Gal Gadot's place in the DCU is also up in the air, but her next appearance could be in the Flash or Shazam. Fury, Fury of the Gods, which have both been rumored to feature a woman, Wonder Woman cameo. All right, um, let's see. Um, okay, let's go to let's go to some more DC stuff. Um, <clears throat> let's go to some more DC stuff. All right, so and this is from. IGN. All right, so a lot is changing from DC's lineup of movies and shows in in the years ahead. Luckily, luckily, despite the rash of cancellations affecting everything from the Batgirl movie to HBO Max shows like Titans and Doom Patrol, um, it's not all bad news. James Gunn and Peter Safran have 
been installed as the co-CEOs of DC Studios, and they have a strategy for more, for a more cohesive and interconnected lineup of content moving forward. It all starts with Chapter One, dubbed Gods and Monsters. Gods and Monsters. Hmm. Let's see. Excuse me. Excuse me. All right, before I move on, let me let me see who came into the chat. Hold on. Let me see. Shout out to the people from Pick Six with, with Noah and Nick. Make sure you check out their podcast and follow them on Instagram right here. Thank you for viewing this. Um, so check them out on Spotify and wherever you get your podcast. All right, so um it can be very difficult to keep track of all the big changes at DC these days. That's why we've put together this comprehensive list of everything currently in the works, as well as the major projects that have either been officially canceled or gone dormant. Of course, you could come join us in the reborn DC universe. Yeah, you could you could check out the link to what to expect from DC in 2023, including comics and games. You can follow the link. So anyway, I'll, yeah, the comics and the games, I'll I'll do that some other time. So what are the next DC movies coming out? Of course, obviously. So DC Universe, every upcoming movie and and TV show. So let's check this out. Uh, Also, for those keeping track, here's, of the full lineup of upcoming DC movies and TV shows. So we have the Arrowverse TV series, 2022 to 2023 seasons. We have the Flash, which is the which unfortunately is the last season. Um, Shazam, Fury of the Gods, March 17th, 2023. That's next month. The Flash movie, June 16th, 2023. Blue Beetle. August 18th, 2023, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, December, December 25th, December 25th, 2023, um, Joker, Foley, Foley, a doe, October 20, October 4th, 2024, Superman Legacy, July 11, 2025, The Batman 2, October 3rd, 2025. The Brave and the The Brave and the Bold in development. Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow in development. The Authority is in development. Swamp Thing is in development. Walla Peacemaker Season 2 is in development. Creature Commandos animated series, possibly 2024. Booster Gold TV series in development. Paradise Lost TV series in development. Lanterns TV series in development. Gotham PD Arkham TV series in development. Um, Matt Reeves projects the Penguin TV series in development. Gotham Knights TV series in development, which is also coming to the CW. Um, Dead Boy Detectives TV series in development. The Sandman season two in development and Constantine 2 in development as well. Yes, 
already came out already. So the Flash will finally come to an end in 2023 with a shorter 13 episode run, and with it, the Arrowverse as a whole will be taking its final bow. Okay, so Shazam Fury of the Gods, March 17, 2023. It wasn't long after Shazam's April 2019 release that rumors surfaced that a sequel about the sequel. Zachary Levi will be back as Shazam and director David F. Sandberg and writer Henry Gaydon <laughs> are also returning. Most of the cast from the first movie will return while while Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu joined the proceedings as Hespera and Calypso, respectively. As the most of the legacy DCEU titles, it is unclear how or if Shazam will continue in the new DCU after this film. Of course, obviously, the Flash movie, June 16, 2023, the Flash movie has seen more than its fair share of controversy and behind-the-scenes trouble on the road to its t- June 2023 release. Following a revolving door of directors, it's Andy Muschietti, has taken the ra- the reins of the film, which sees Ezra Miller reprise his role as the Scarlet Speedster. Um, as an as well as another version of Barry Allen, the film also features two versions of Batman, both Ben Affleck's DCEU version and Michael Keaton's aged Dark Knight, while also introducing Sasha Kale as Supergirl and reportedly bringing back Michael Shannon's General Zod. (laughs) That eclectic cast is made possible by the fact that The Flash is inspired by 2011's Flashpoint comic, meaning there's going to be a lot of time traveling tomfoolery about. In fact, the film is being used to reset the table for James Gunn and Peter Safran's rebooted DCEU line. But as for whether the scandal laden Miller will continue to play the Flash going forward, nothing has been confirmed. Let's see what happens, Gunn said at a press event IGN attended in January 2023. When the time is right, we'll have the conversation. And of course, obviously, uh, we talked about Blue Beetle, August 18th, 2023. Charm City Kings director Angel Manuel Soto is set to direct Blue Beetle, which will focus on Mexican-American teen Jamie Reyes, the third character to adopt the Blue Beetle name in the comics. Cobra Kai's Zolo, um, Mari Duana, will play Reyes. Um Originally planned as an HBO Max film, this title is now slated for a theatrical release. According to The Hollywood Reporter, the cast and crew have been assured that Blue Beetle won't meet the same fate as Batgirl. And while it's unclear whether or not the film is directly tied to the DCU line, Gunn has noted that Blue Beetle is standalone enough that it could be worked into the new universe. Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom, December 25th, 2023, the first Aquaman 
made over a billion dollars worldwide, becoming the highest grossing DC film of all time for Warner Brothers. So yeah, a sequel is happening. Direct director James Wan returns to helm Aquaman 2, while David Leslie Johnson, Mick Goldrick, who co-wrote the first film, is scripting. Jason Momoa, Amber Heard, Patrick Wilson, and Yahya Abdul-Mateen II are also returning. The film's release was pushed back to Christmas 2023, moving it away from Avatar 2. It's also um, poised to be the last of the pre-DCU movies, so we'll see if it acknowledges the event of The Flash or forges any links to the new universe to come. Okay, so Joker Foley a Duke um October 4th, 2024. For quite some time there, there had been conflicting reports as to whether director Todd Phillips and star Joaquin Phoenix were planning a sequel to their Joker movie. The pair initially said the first film was meant to be a one-off. But in May of 2021, The Hollywood Reporter had the scoop that Warner Brothers had signed Phillips to pen a sequel to the 2019 comic book film. In June of 2022, Phillips confirmed the project by sharing the cover of the script on Instagram. Called Joker Foley Adieu, the film is being written by Phillips and his Joker 1 co-writer, Scott Silver. Foley Adieu is defined as a psychological disorder where the same or similar mental disorder affects two or more people. So think on that a bit. Lady Gaga will co-star in the film, fueling rumors that it's partially it's partly a musical. Oh boy. And um obviously Superman Legacy. July 11th, 2025, we can all stop holding our breath for Man of Steel 2 rather than pursue a sequel to 2013's Man of Steel. DC is pushing ahead with a new take on the character with Superman Legacy. James Gunn is currently writing a Superman movie featuring a younger Clark Kent early in his reporting career. Um, The film will explore Clark's struggle to balance his Kryptonian heritage with his Kansas upbringing and deal with the challenge of being a kind hero in in an unkind world. Gunn may or may not wind up directing the film, but it is shaping up to be one of the first and most important entries in the revamped DCU line. The Batman 2, October 3rd, 2025th, 2025 excuse me uh of course the batman 2 is in the works with matt reeves returning to write and direct and robert pattinson putting on the cape cow and eyeliner again as the dark knight detective the film is confirmed to have survived the recent turmoil at warner brothers discovery and reeves has even signed a multi year first look deal with the studio there's no word yet on when the film will arrive or what it will be about so begin your joker speculation now the brave and the bold is in development dc has confirmed that we'll have two cinematic versions of batman going forward 
as the DCU will get its own Dark Knight alongside the standalone movies of Matt Reeves, the Batman series. The Brave and the Bold looks to deal with the full Bat family, centering specifically on Bruce Wayne's 10-year-old son, Damien. The movie will draw heavily from Grant Morrison's Batman comics. Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow is in development as well. The new DC the new DCU will also have a new Supergirl, though one who's far more angry and hard-edged than we've ever seen. Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow is a movie based on Tom King and Bill 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 Kwai. Um Evely's comic of the same name this this supergirl is is one who spent more of her early life living on a fragment of krypton that was dislodged in the planet's destruction what gun describes as a horrible situation she watched everybody around her die damn hold on one moment <clears throat> Okay. <clears throat> Damn, you watch everyone die. Damn, that sucks. That's got to suck, though, man. You know what I mean? Um. Okay. Um. All right, um, let's see. Yes. Yes, so um <laughs> so the authority in development, DC's anti-justice league are getting their own movie in the new DCU. The authority is a group of powerful heroes who take a far more proactive approach to manning out justice. Swamp Thing is also in development. Swamp Thing may, may not have found much success on the short-lived DC Universe app, but DC is still betting big on this lumbering monster for their new cinematic universe. Uh, the, the Swamp Thing movie will explore the dark origins of Alec Holland's monstrous alter ego. Waller and Peacemaker Season 2 is also, is also in development. Not everything is being completely rebooted um, for the new DCU. Guns Peacemaker is getting a spin-off series as well as second season a second season. We don't we don't know much about season two yet, only that it's being backburned. 
in favor of releasing Waller first. Viola Davis will reprise the, the Amanda Waller role in a series that builds on the ending of Peacemaker Season 1. Several other Peacemaker alums will also return. Creature Commandos in an animated series, possibly 2024. Surprisingly, Gunn is relying on one of DC's most obscure properties to launch the new DCU. Gunn has already written a seven-episode first season of this animated series, which de deals with Amanda Waller forming another team of incarcerated super criminals to save the world. The Creature Commandos series is in production now and Gunn hinted it may be ready in time for a 2024 release, beating Superman Legacy to the finish line. Bo Booster Gold TV series is also in development. The lovely, goofy Booster Gold is getting his own series as part of the new DCU. Booster Gold will explore the character's imposter syndrome as he travels back in time and uses the technology of the future to make himself a present-day superhero. Paradise Lost TV series is also in development while in while a new Wonder Woman movie isn't on the immediate horizon. DC is moving forward with, with a TV series set on the island of, of, of Timi Skira. Paradise Lost will explore the origins and political intrigue of Diana's home. The series is billed as the DC equivalent of Game of Thrones. That's a weird comparison. Yeah, that's a weird comparison. <laughs> Lanterns TV series is also in development. We're hopefully finally getting that I promised Green Lantern show. Lanterns is a high concept detective drama in the vein of True Detective. The series revolves around how J Jordan and Jon Stewart. It's unclear if the series is at all connected to the Green Lantern core show that Greg Berlanti was executive producing for HBO Max. Um, so yeah. All right, so let's see what else we got to talk about here. Oh, oh yeah. Let's go over some highlights. Let's go over some highlights of the Super Bowl, shall we? Let's go over some highlights. Actually, before we even do that, before we even do that, let me see what else. If I have anything else to talk about here. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Let's go to this. Let's go to um the highlights of Super Bowl commercial ads. All right, so let's do let's do this. So, all right, what we have here um, is okay. Um, hang on a second. Um. All right, um, let me see. All right, so here are the Super Bowl 57 commercial highlights. Okay, so there are three groups of people who sit 
down to watch the big game on Super Bowl Sunday. The first group is there for the game. The second is there to watch the halftime show. And the third enjoys the commercials. The ads on part of the entertainment of Super Bowl Sunday. As brands spend millions of dollars on the on a TV spot while hoping to make the commercial memorable. Some advertisers go for comedy while others employ celebrities or roll out teaser trailers to get viewers to tune in. The usual suspects are always there with Budweiser, Budweiser, Pepsi, and Doritos making regular appearances. Those three are all getting ready to make another appearance this year while other advertisers are making headlines for their Super Bowl commercials as well. Ahead of ahead are highlights of five commercials set to be released during Super Bowl 57. There's going to be more than five Super Bowl commercials to go over. So um, after this, we'll go over some more. Let's check the latest Super Bowl picks, stats, injury reports, and Super Bowl odds. We've got plenty of Super Bowl lines for you to consider. So Jack's new angle for Doritos. Rapper Jack Harlow is the star of Doritos commercial, which also gets features from rapper Missy Elliott and Elton John. Harlow will also will be looking to try another angle in the in the commercial, giving the triangle um, instrument a chance. Um. Okay. Um. Number two. Um, so number one was the Doritos. Okay, so number two, new members day for um for Michelob Ultra. Michelob Ultra will be one of many beers advertised during the Super Bowl. The Caddyshack theme spot will see Serena Williams, Tony Romo, Alex Morgan, Canelo Alvarez, Jimmy Butler, um, Neka Awu. Awu Mike and Brian Cox, Brian Cox unite at the fictional Bushwood Country Club for a little competition. Number three, not so clueless for Rakuten. Fans of nostalgia and the movie Clueless may be excited to see Alicia Alicia Silverstone reprise her role as Cher Horowitz in Rakuten's commercial. Silverstone wearing her iconic yellow plate outfit recreates a scene from the 1995 movie to highlight the cashback app <clears throat> oh boy and um number four who is who's in the fridge for Hellman's Hellman's Mayo will make its third straight appearance on Super Bowl Sunday with actors Pete actors um hold on a second Pistol Pete Davidson, as Michael Rappaport would put it. <laughs> oh, shit. John Hamm and Brie Lawson starring. As a play on words, Hamm and Lawson will appear in the fridge next to the mail while Davidson looks for dinner. The advertisement also encourages people, encourages people to make taste, not waste, with Hellman's. Number five, Dave Grohl learns something new for Crown Royal. Two teasers have been released ahead of the whiskey brand's 60-second commercial for Sunday. In the first, Foo Fighters frontman Dave Grohl 
reads from a list of random items while the second shows him saying thank you grow and viewers alike will see what the seemingly random list of objects having come come Sunday, of course, a repass. There are plenty more advertisements to look forward to for Sunday as well. But Wiser will allude to six degrees of Kevin Bacon with its six degrees of Bud. While Popcorners will call back to Breaking Bad with its Breaking Good piece featuring Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul. Elsewhere, General Motors teams up with Netflix as Will Ferrell crashes Bridgerton, <laughs> Squid Game, and more to announce GM vehicles will be featured in Netflix originals. And uh, there's more. There's more to come with um, more of the highlights. Let's get to more. Let's get to more. This is basically the best and the worst. This is basically the best and the worst. So, um, first and foremost, let's get to the Dunkin' Donuts shit, though, man. Because I've been hearing that there's bloopers behind the Dunkin' Donuts thing with, with Ben Affleck <laughs> working at the booth in the damn fucking... Um... <laughs> Oh shit. Oh man. It appears Ben Affleck is better behind the camera than he is the coffee counter. Duncan released outtakes from the actors commercial for the 2023 Super Bowl that aired Sunday, which features the Duncan super fan struggling with the cash register and informing customers via drive-through intercom that the location is out of coffee and donuts there's only water today sorry oh wow you are shitting me a man says <laughs> oh man elsewhere in his heaviest boston twang uh Affleck recites a complicated breakfast, um, yeah, complicated breakfast sandwich order at rapid speed. Are you all right this morning? A woman asked through the intercom, unaware that the Academy Award winner is on the other side. <laughs> the, the customers <laughs> are in for a surprise when they pull up at the window for their orders. I know you, one man says. Jennifer Lopez makes a cameo in her husband's inedible ad, which was filmed in Medford, Massachusetts last month. The singers is the final customer to drive up to the drive through window and ask Affleck, what are you doing here? Is this what you do when you say you are going to work all day? She adds, grab me a glazed. Um, Affleck directed the commercial, which was developed by Artist Equity. The production company he formed with pal Matt Damon, the Argo actor, is a well-documented fan of the coffee chain, having become the source of many Duncan-themed memes. <laughs> oh, shit. Wow. <laughs> I think people already sort of think that I worked for Duncan after a joke to people last month. 
I became kind of associated with it. And this sounded like a fun opportunity to kind of play with that association and a chance to come back, <laughs> to come back here and shoot, to shoot it at home in Boston. His go-to order, it's not all that exciting, really, Affleck said. It's just iced coffee, milk, and two sugars, sometimes Splenda. During the big game that saw the Kansas City Chiefs victory over the Philadelphia Eagles, Affleck's upcoming Nike biographical drama Air centered on the the brand's um, partnership with then-rookie Michael Jordan also secured a coveted commercial slot. All right, some more. Some more stuff. <laughs> the memes. Okay, I'll do the memes some other time, man. All right, so here are the worst, the best and worst um uh, Super Bowl commercials. So, not sure which is the best, but some people are watching the football. Some people are watching the music. Some people are all over the food choices. If you are watching the 2023 Super Bowl just for the commercials, we've got you covered. Some of them released early, so we've populated some of our favorite favorites here. But we will also be adding some of the best commercials throughout the game on Sunday and beyond. Go Eagles, go Chiefs. But most of all, go commercials. Starting with the Breaking Bad returns for Pop Corners. Wow. <laughs> oh shit. Um, let's see. Let's see. Oh, it's been nearly 10 years since Jesse Pinkman and Walter White left TV in the series finale of Breaking Bad. But the dynamic duel is back for Popcorners. Aaron Paul and Brian Cranston reprise their respective roles in the, the ad, along with Raymond Cruz as, as Tucko Salamanca, who really, really enjoys the product from Jesse and Walter. General Motors and Netflix team up to promote EVs. Have you wanted to see Will Ferrell and Stranger Things, Squid Game, and a bunch of other Netflix shows? Here you go. And he's talking about how they are highlighting electric vehicles in their shows now in a partnership with General Motors. Yeah. Um, Eminem's big ad with Maya Rudolph was a damn mess. <laughs> Everybody was talking about this shit and probably clowning Maya Rudolph for this shit too. Um, and and another thing that kind of caught my attention is that her face was all over the fucking Eminem's candy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, easily one of the worst ads this year came from Eminem's, who who built ludicrous hype by playing off their whole culture war with Tucker Carlson and then delivered what was basically a commercial for clams. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
that's a bad move if you are a candy company. They followed up with an ad at the end of the game, returning their spoke candy to their spots. <laughs> oh shit. Share from Clueless um uses Ruckerton. Um Ruckerton, the free app and browser extension that finds coupons and earns cash back when you buy clothing and other items brought back the 90s queen of consumerism share from clueless some of your favorite catchphrases join alicia silverstone in this nostalgia ad and ben affleck works at duncan which i just went over the, the the outtakes um i mean when you have a chance to one lean into ben affleck's boston accent and two slip in a cameo from jennifer lopez you just have to do it okay bradley cooper and his mom for t-mobile this is just adorable you have to be extremely cynical not to smile while watching cooper's mom try her best to remember her lines while her famous son does his best to coach her along serena williams and brian cops team up to caddyshack for michelob ultra the nostalgia is real. This was Serena's second Super Bowl ad of the year, with the other being for Remy Martin, where she recited Al Pacino's speech from Any Given Sunday, the movie. Temu kept posting the same dumb ad. <laughs> Temu is basically the new generation of Wish.com. That's all you need to know. This ad sucked, and they played in twice <laughs> the ad for jesus was exactly what you expect oh wow okay next team had another good one but it it felt a little off don't get me wrong i love scrubs and the reunion was nice i just wish they didn't invoke summer loving from greece so close to the death of olivia newton john huh and here's another one that everyone was talking about here. Tubi made your dad want to break his TV. So um, Tubi had a really interesting ad featuring several full-size rabbits, but this short clip made, that made everyone think they had accidentally smashed their TV remote, their remote buttons when they sat down was infuriating. Okay, so... For those of you who may not saw the T the Tubi um ad commercial, this was basically talking. This was basically um, it was a, it was a TV prank with two commentators. Basically, um, it was like a, a it was like a TV interruption, so to speak. And <laughs> when I saw this, I was like, "Yo," I was like, "Damn, people are really." People really getting angry off of this shit. Like, yo, this is just a commercial, man. Like, <laughs> this is just a commercial, man. Like, come on, man. <laughs> um, YouTube embraces the conspiracy theory market. Oh gosh, no. I am so sick and tired of hearing conspiracy theory, man. This is just ridiculously. Uh, get out of hand. Oh, Lord, I am so tired of hearing conspiracy theories, man. Really, I'm really in because this is very annoying and shit. So, um, it's very annoying. It's very annoying, man. You know what I'm saying? 
Um, very annoying. And I don't really like the idea of actually um, hearing about this shit, though, man. So this is just this is just another way of, oh, Lord, how can I how can I do this? How can I just describe this? Here's this. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so this one was probably the worst one. <laughs> At a week after the US government debated whether or not to shoot down a weather balloon flying over the country, rock band YouTube announced their res- residency in something called MSG Spear, a music venue in Las Vegas. By showing a, <laughs> a spirit, a spherical floating flying object over the country, the timing was poor. Channeling the same vibes that were discovered at um, new new scene new scene on cable news just a few days ago. Miles Teller's Bud Light moment. Oh wow! And um, Bud Light was always seen to have really. To have a really solid ad at the Super Bowl, and this year they featured one of the hottest movie stars of the last year alongside his wife, who can resist Miles Teller's moonwalking through his living room and dancing with the, his dog. <laughs> oh shit! Double entrees, no, excuse me, double intenders. Ant- um, fly fast and loose in this Ram commercial, which caught the attention of many former middle schoolers now in middle ages. Okay, let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. Uh, wasn't there another one? Wasn't there another one? Yes, there was actually. Yes, there was. Um. I've been meaning to find that Kevin Hart commercial. I want to actually get to that as well. Hold on a minute here. There was a Kevin Hart one. There was a Kevin Hart one um, that I was looking for, actually. There was a Kevin Hart one. Uh, Let's see. There was a Kevin Hart one, actually. I was trying to look for that. Um... Okay, hold on. Let me look for this right now. Hold on. Um, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Come on, man. Do this to me. Okay. Kevin Hart. Oh, damn. Hang on a minute. Hang on. Hang on. Trying to, um, (laughs) 
Kevin Hart Super Bowl 57 commercial. Okay, let's see. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. So let's take a look at the Kevin Hart commercial. This one was it was an interesting one right here, actually. So okay, so uh the Super Bowl an event that typically has very little to do with WWE, professional wrestling, or any any sport other than football. But every now and then, the two souls collide in a way that is not only fun to watch, but elevate both products immensely. Um, Let me see. Case in point, Super Bowl 57, where between drives of a back-and-forth Kansas back-and-forth offensive um, showcase between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs, who but The Undertaker emerged from his crypt, the underworld, or whatever bike bar the American badass has been spending his time in to socialize with the likes of Kevin Hart and Tony Hawk in a good old-fashioned party in the Hollywood Hills. Um, taking part in the commercial for DraftKings, who have been employing Hart all season long as their brand ambassador, the Central Intelligence star declared that he wanted to take a, take the under, but not before backing into ultimate under. The Undertaker in an image that will make AJ Styles from the bone the bone yard. <laughs> The bone yard. <laughs> oh shit. The bone yard match blush. Oh wow. Um did Hart, who is from the home of the extreme Philadelphia, explicitly request take taker for the commercial? Did WWE who used DraftKings? as a sponsor requests the Hall of Famer's inclusion, or did some writer simply add the joke to his treatment for the commercial and find out that DraftKings could actually swing his inclusion in the commercial? Either way, fans uh, might just have a new Taker Heart meme on their hands and on a day without a major wrestling show. That's a pretty cool development indeed. Um, wait a minute here. The commercial that I'm looking for, he had Ludacris. Um, he had Ludacris in there too. He had Ludacris. He had Ludacris in that joint too. Okay, so yeah, he had Ludacris in there too. All right, so yeah, he had Ludacris in there too. So, um, okay, Kevin Hart bet on the big game in his star studded 2023 
Super Bowl commercial for DraftKings. The 43-year-old comedian who attended Michael Rubin's Super Bowl party with Jay-Z in Phoenix was joined by skateboard legend Tony Hawk, age 54, and the rapper Ludacris, age 45. Oh, shit. Didn't know, didn't know that. I didn't even know he was in his 40s. Shit. Hart's 32nd spot for the sports betting company saw him hosting his own A-list Super Bowl bash in an LA mansion. Mansion, trying to figure out how to place his bet, Kevin moves throughout the party and com comically engages with his famous guests. The ad uses a play on names to jump from scene to scene, keeping up with kinetic energy as Kevin shows off his comedic skills. All right, that right there. Okay, so Hart helped to produce the commercial through his Hart Here Beat Productions company, developing the scenario that what would eventually be called Kevin's Bet. The goal of the spot is to promote the DraftKings customers get a free Super Bowl bet. The blockbuster comedy star enlisted a whole team of his famous friends, including NFL Hall of, Hall of Famer Emmett Smith, wrestling legend. The, Under the Undertaker, and NBA icon Julius Dr. J. Irving. Irving, yeah, Irving, excuse me. One, of the, one funny highlight is when Kevin Hart tells Emma Smith and David Big Poppy Ortiz that they are both ludicrous after slapping a plate of food out of Ortiz's hand. <laughs> I did see that shit, too. ha. <laughs> I did see that shit too, man. Um, wow, I did see that shit too. Um, yeah, the commercial then cuts to the actual ludicrous who is inside the party spec speculating about Hart's betting strategy by saying that he is taking the under. The under says Hart popping out of nowhere. Please, I ain't no Undertaker. Confronted by the real Undertaker, Hart gazes up at the giant wrestler before he turns back to Ludacris and snaps, Hey, I'm watching you like a... Hey, I'm watching you like a... Uh, what is it? A hawk? Or... I don't know what that is. Anyway. Hey, I'm watching you like a hawk, says Tony Hawk, giving his name to the bouncer at the front door of... Hart's party. Tony Hawk like the bird. <laughs> oh wow. Oh yeah. The price of a 30-second um Super Bowl commercial this year is a jaw-dropping seven million dollars. Wow. Seven million dollars. Shit, man. That's crazy. That's crazy right there, man. That is crazy. Um that is so crazy. That is so crazy. Um, that is so crazy right there. Um, that is crazy right there, man. Seven million dollars. That's interesting. Seven million dollars. Okay, uh, where is where were we? Um, yes, yeah, I mean, okay, DraftKings has become a Super Bowl mainstay when it comes to advertising. 
as this is the third straight year they have shelled out millions millions for a spot in a recent interview with people Hart spoke about his involvement with DraftKings and how he united so many big names for one commercial we got to tap into some relationships big cameos and hit the button on the head with messaging while giving an extreme amount of personality and fun to what i think is going to be a truly unique spot during the super bowl the ride along star added it's a business of relationships and how you nurture and carry and treat them throughout the years i prioritize them and when i call they respond that's something that i take an extreme amount of pride in hearts commercial for the interactive gaming giant is one of many as numerous stars are anchoring as this year pistol pete davidson as michael rapaport puts it joined <laughs> joined <laughs> Join forces with Brie Lawson and John Hamm to promote Hellman's mayonnaise. Adam Driver pulled double duty as he fought dinosaurs <laughs> in an ad for his sci-fi thriller 65 and multiplied himself in a hilarious commercial for Squarespace. And Sylvester Stallone reprised his cliffhanger role for um for um Paramount Plus scaling a mountain in the shape of his face <laughs> oh shit oh my gosh so kevin has certainly been enjoying his super bowl weekend as he attended one of the most exclusive parties on saturday when he went to michael rubens 2023 finance bash it was one of the many celebrity filled events that were held ahead of the face-off between the Kansas City Chiefs and Eagle Philadelphia Eagles at State Farm Stadium in near, nearby Glendale, Arizona. Hart showed off his fashion sense in a very cool black jacket with jagged white trim and matching pants and sneakers. He made his grand entrance with his wife, Aniko Parrish, age 38, who wore a leggy assemble um, consisting of consisting of blue patent shorts with a brown Gucci crop top and open toe heels. When they weren't making the rounds meeting with other celebrity guests, the couple spent some time hanging with the host of the party, Michael Rubin, who at one point tried to hand free, no, excuse me, head, hand feed heart as they were all enjoying lunch. The ride along funny man was also um, seen chatting it up with singer and TikTok star Dixie D'Amelio, age 21, who looked fashionable in golden slacks, a black bustler, no bustier, excuse me, and matching platform boots. It's no secret that Hart was rooting for his hometown team, the Eagles, for which he's been showing his fandom and allegiance by wearing team merchandise. Well, luckily, Dixie D. Emilio is not is not wearing um those fucking cartoon boots. <laughs> oh shit! It's no secret that Hart was rooting for his hometown team, the Eagles, for which he's been showing his fandom and allegiance by wearing them mer wearing team merchandise. But the Kansas City Chiefs ultimately earned their third 
NFL championship um, triumphing over the Philadelphia Eagles, 38-35, to 35, behind an epic effort put forth by superstar quarterback Patrick Mahomes, who ultimately earned MP, no, MVP. All right. So there you have it right there, man. Um, So there you have it right there. Okay, so up next, up next, um, let's see. Let's see. Um, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Okay, let's talk. Um, before we go to the Magic Mike thing, let's talk Mac Walk. Oh, wait. Let's talk best Super Bowl performances. Yes, let's talk about that too. Let's talk about that. Um, best hip, best hip hop halftime performances. Let me see how much time we got here. Okay. All right. So hip hop has moved the crowd at various sporting events during its rich history. Queen Latifah holds the distinction of being the first rapper to perform at a halftime show. The hip hop icon rocked the mic at Super Bowl. At the at Super Bowl in 1998, although Latifah sung during her set, she left an indelible impression on the NFL, which allowed others other rappers to grace future halftime stages. Um, for example, Missy Elliott delivered a show-stopping performance at Super Bowl at Super Bowl in 2015, and she wasn't. Even the headliner, the veteran rhymer, was a guest performer for Katy Perry and rapped a medley of her great, of biggest hits, including "Get Your Freak On," "Work It," and "Lose Control." Another memorable halftime performance happened in 2022 when Dr. Dre headlined the Super Bowl um, 56 Pepsi halftime show and brought out Snoop Dogg, Eminem. Kendrick Lamar, 50 Cent, and Mary J. Blige. Everyone brought their A game, and each artist delivered an electrifying performance. Outside of football, rappers hit the stage at other sporting events as well. In 2011, Rihanna brought out Drake and Kanye West to perform there during her headline set at um, NBA All-Star Weekend. In 2013, Ludacris was tapped to be the musical ambassador during the NCAA Final Four Games, which took place at, at Centennial Olympic Park in Atlanta. Luda was on the bill for a halftime show that also featured fellow rapper Flo Rider. Double L excited. Double L decided to take a trip down memory lane and compiled a list of 13 of the most memorable halftime performances during a sporting contest. You can check the list below. Okay, so I'm just going to go through the names. I'm not going to go through the statements. Uh, so Queen Latifah is one. Nelly, Nelly included. Um, Nelly included, actually. Hold on. It's... Yeah, the statement is short. So in 1998, Queen Latifah was one of a slew of performers selected to pay homage to the legacy of Motown Records during the Super Bowl halftime show, um, performing her song Paper, which features a, a sample of the Motown classic I Heard It 
I heard it through the grapevine. Latifah made history as the first rapper to hit the stage at the Super Bowl, opening yet another door for hip hop. Nelly coming off the heels of off his wildly successful debut album, Country Grammar, Nelly joined music royalty during the Super Bowl halftime show in the midst of NSYNC, Britney Spears, and Mary J. Blige joining Aerosmith on stage for a rendition of their hit, Walk This Way. Nelly came out of nowhere dropping the opening verse from his own hit single, E.I., over Steven Tyler's role-licking guitar riffs. Diddy and Nelly co-starred alongside the likes of Jessica Simpson, Jenna Jackson, Kid Rock, and Justin Timberlake during the Super Bowl halftime show in 2004. Performing a medley of Bad Boys' um, biggest hits, including Bad Boy for Life, Diddy, and More Money, More Problems, Diddy was joined by Nelly, who lit the crowd on fire with a quick strike from his tw- his 2002 hit, Hot in Her. It was a historic moment that's unfortunately been overshadowed by Jenna Jackson, Jenna Jackson and Justin Timberlake's nipplegate controversy. Damn, when are they gonna let this shit go, man? Boom boom pow pump it. Let's get it started. And where's the love? Are just a few of the selections the Black Eyed Peas performed during their headlining performance during the Super Bowl halftime show at Cowboy Stadium in. Arlington, Texas. In addition to rockers like Slash, the Black Eyed Peas were also joined by Usher, who popped up to perform his Will I Am collaboration. Oh my gosh, before the Peas closed things on a high note with a reprise of their sing along smash, I Got a Feeling. In 2011, uh, Rihanna performed during the NBA. All-Star Game halftime and brought uh, along a few surprise guests to turn up the energy. Drake was um, the first surprise. He spit his verse from her re-single, What's My Name? The Bajan singer later summoned Kanye West for a performance of All the Lights. Nicki Minaj, of course, in t- 2012, um, appeared alongside Madonna and M.I.A., for a rendition of Give Me All Your Lovin', their collaboration from Madonna's NDNA album during the Super Bowl halftime show. Um, Atlanta representative, representative Ludacris um, served as a musical ambassador for his stomping grounds during the NCAA Final Four 2013, which was held at Centennial Olympic Park. Build amongst a diverse list of acts that include included Sting and Dave Matthews Band. Ludacris pulled out of all the stops, all the stops, turning up with signature cuts like pimping all over the world, was a fantasy and roll out, showing the attendees a bit of sudden hospitality in a big way. Um, during the Super Bowl halftime show at University of Phoenix Stadium of Glendale, Arizona, Katy Perry gave the crowd and viewers a pleasant surprise when she brought out Missy Elliott. The rap legend had been re- relatively quiet on the on the music front for much of the previous decade, performed a medley of 
her biggest fan favorites with songs like Get Your Freak On, Work It, and Lose Control. Hip-hop was in full force during the 2014 All-Star Weekend as Kendrick Lamar and Pharrell Williams were tapped to hit the stage and take part in the festivities. Kendrick, who headlined the Saturday night um, of the All-Star Weekend, performed a medley of hits including M-A-A-D City and Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe prior to the Sprite Slam Dunk while Pharrell Williams joined Janelle Monet and Earthling and Fire during the All-Star Game Player introductions. Okay, let me just go through the list of names. So, E40 in 2015 already came to the NBA Finals. Of course, Designer performs at Rucker Park in 2016. Flowrider performs during Game 2 of 2017 NBA Finals. Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Kendra Lamar, and more performed during Super Bowl 56 halftime show. And um, yes, so I think that's it for one little side note here. I want to actually mention if I have enough time here. Okay, listen. Look. All right, look, man. Um, everybody, everybody was saying that um that the that the that um Rihanna had the worst performance ever, but you you also have to understand, you also have to fucking understand that she's eight to nine weeks pregnant, man. Like, what do you, like, seriously, like, what do you, what do you fucking expect people to do? What do you expect her to do, man? Like, seriously, um, and 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 this is what I was talking about with the whole high expectations of one particular person to actually do mad extra shit. You you can't you can't really do that, man. You know what I'm saying? You can't really do that shit, man. And 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 yes, you also gotta understand that she's also a business person. She's not just a music artist. She's also a billionaire who's making more money than than music. You know what I'm saying? So I just wanted to actually stress this though, man. Like the whole high expectation shit has to has to be. You gotta let that shit go, man. Seriously, seriously, man. Like, look, you're not gonna get any new music from her, a new album from her, um, not anytime soon, man. You know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, I just wanted to stress this right here, though, man. You know what I mean? Because look, man, it's it's already been seven years. We get that it's been seven years. Yes, we get that. We get that. I mean, come on. She was she was doing a little acting too. You know what I'm saying? She was doing a little acting, although although Battleship was the worst movie, anyways. <laughs> oh shit. Oh man. And speaking of worst movies, we're about to segue to um we're about to segue into Mac Wilds trying to be um up for the role of Ella Kuji in in a thing that I like to in, in the Ella Kuji biopic, which I like to call the movie Man Cave Popcorn. Man, let's get into it right here, and we'll go over the Magic Mike movie that recently came out. Uh, let's get into it right here. So here it is.
All right, so Mac Wiles, who you may know, that's that's a singer, an actor, and also a podcaster from Guys Next Door, um, has expressed his desire to play LL Cool J in a biopic of the legendary rapper's life after Uncle L teased the idea on social media. On Thursday, January 12th, the GOAT took to social media to share a series of classic photos from across his career including a, a shot of him in his signature Kango hat and another sporting his iconic four-finger Ella Cool J ring that many will remember from the cover of his fourth studio album, Mama Said Knock You Out. Should I do a biopic? Ella Cool J captioned his post asking fans whether he should follow in the footsteps of N.W.A., Tupac, the Notorious B.I.G., Roxanne Shante, 50 Cent, Eminem, and others who have made movies about their lives. One person in favor of Ella Cool shooting a biopic is Grammy-nominated singer-rapper actor uh, Mac Wiles, who also teased the idea of stepping into Ella's shoes and playing the goat in the film. I mean, what are we talking about? He tweeted alongside a laughing emoji. Hip Hop DX reached out to Wilds to find out more about his bid to play Elo Cool J, and he explained that it's actually something he's always wanted to do. Um, <clears throat> hell yes, I'd like to play Elo Cool J. The talented crooner told DX, "I've been trying to figure out if he'd do a biopic for years." Wiles said his connection to LL Cool J, who himself is an established actor starring in numerous Hollywood films as well as the record-breaking TV series, and CIS Los Angeles goes all the way back to his childhood when his father took him to see the Doing It rapper live. LL was my very first concert, he explained. He did a free concert at Wingate Park in Brooklyn. My dad took me because he saw I really connected to his music, he was my first understanding of stage presence. Elo Cool J is yet to respond to Wild's suggestion. Mac Wiles is known for his roles in TV shows such as The Wire, Shots Fired, 9210, and more recently, Swagger, the Apple TV Plus series inspired by Kevin Durant's youth basketball playing experience on the AAU circuit. He also starred in the George Lucas executive produced um, Red Tails in 2012. He released his debut album, New York, A Love Story, in 2013, executive produced by Salam Remy and featuring the likes of Method Man, Raekwon, and Dougie Fresh. It bagged uh, Wilds a Grammy nomination for um, Best Urban Contemporary Album. However, it lost out to Rihanna for her seventh studio album, Unapologetic. Max's last full-length release was 2017's After Hours, which features Wale and Tink. While it was mostly self-produced, it also features production from Salon Remy, Teddy Riley, um, Scott Storch, and James Poiser on the song Love in the 90s. Um, Meanwhile, Ella Cool Rock the Bells recently announced the inaugural hip-hop experience cruise in celebration of the genre turning 50 years old this year. The unique cruise uh, experience 
will be brought to life in partnership in six man and Norwegian Pearl set sale from Miami to the Bahamas on November 13th for four nights through November 17th. There will be a full lineup of performers announced at a later date, but guests will be welcome to kick off party on the boat's deck with a concert from Trina and Trick Daddy. And it took 50 years, but it's finally here. The cruise is for hip hop because you deserve it. Elo Kooji wrote to Instagram, the Rock the, Rock the Bells cruise, a hip hop experience is setting sail in 2023. We're dropping the line up at the top of the year, but put $100 down to reserve your cabin today or sign up to be the first in line. Okay. <clears throat> wow. All right, so Magic Mike, the movie that came out recently, Magic Mike's um Last Dance, right? Recently came out. <clears throat> okay, so and this is from Gold Um Derby. Super Bowl weekend has never been great for the box office, with only a few breakout hits over the years. This year it was um especially bad and as usual weekend estimates are exactly that estimates since it's too early to determine how this year's big game night affects sunday sunday box office so channing tatum and sam Hyatt starred in magic mike's last dance the third and presumably final chapter of the male stripper franchise with the returning director steven soderbergh warner brothers only gave the movie a moderate release into only 1,500 theaters, while reviews were not great, sitting at 46% on Rotten Tomatoes. Warner didn't report the movie's Thursday previews on or Friday take, which was later reported to be $4.1 million based on WB's Sunday estimates. Magic Mike only made $8.2 million this weekend, averaging five. Thousand four sixty-seven dollars per location, <clears throat> which was still enough to be number one in the box office over Super Bowl weekend. The amount is down quite a bit from the twelve point nine million dollars opening for Magic Mike, um, in twenty fifteen. Although that was released into 3,355 theaters over the 4th of July weekend, that's also more than $22 million less than the opening for Dear John in 2010 and $33 million less than 2020, 2012's The Vow. Two previous Tatum movies that opened against the Super Bowl and before he was quite as well known as he is now. You'd also have to go back almost two years um, to find a movie with a love of number one opening. Oh, boy. Um, number one opening. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. All right. All right. Um. All right, I'm going to just go through this, actually. So, all right, so. So, uh, the 25th anniversary 
yeah, go back two years to find a movie with a lower, uh, lower number one opening than was Universal's Nobody, which opened with $6.8 million, while many theaters were still closed due to the slandemic. Okay, so 25th anniversary re-release of James Cameron's Titanic made $6.4 million in 2,464 theaters um, and all that other stuff. Um, and and of course, which um, which uh, made sixty six six hundred sixty five point eight million dollars domestically, of course. Um, and overseas, it made another fifteen point nine million dollars, bringing the, its all time global to total to two point two hundred seventeen billion dollars. It's likely to lose most, if not all of its 3D and IMAX screenings next week. So there's definitely a ceiling. So Avatar The Way of Water came in second place, which added $6.9 million this weekend, th down 39% to jump back up the charts with $646.9 million gross just north, just in North America overseas. The Avatar sequel added another $18.9 million, and it's likely to pass Titanic's worldwide gross in the next week. It only needs around $4 million to become the third highest grossing block, global blockbuster of all time. And, of course, um, second weekend, 80 for Brady, which I didn't really care for, um, made $6 million, 53%, and it's opening weekend, and it has grossed just below $25 million in North America alone. And, of course, obviously, Universal's... Okay, so Knock at the Cabin went to fifth place. And Knock at the Cabin went to fifth place, actually. And um, and um, Puss in Boots' Last last Wish, which um, both reported making us $5.5 million this weekend. For Knock, it would make a massive 64 drop from its opening weekend, bringing its total to $23.5 million, while The Last Wish took another 30% drop to its to bring the North American total to $158.5 million. And of course, um, and of course, um, a man called Otto and just behind is missing uh, Megan, which actually dropped from number two to all the way down to the bottom um, and also rounds out everything. So there you have it right there, man. Um, let's get into things to do for the weekend. All right, let's get into things to do for the weekend. I'm not going to have time to get to L.A., so... I'm not going to have time to get to L.A., so let me just go to uh, things to do for the weekend in New York. So um, I'll do that probably next time. Anyway, let's let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Um, all right. I want to actually get to. Um, all right. All right. Um, so we have. We have. Um, the all right hold on hold on so we have um where is it where is it where is it where is it so 
Let's get into. We're gonna get into. Uh, okay, things to do for the weekend. Yeah, we're we're getting to it right now, actually. So this is for this weekend. So this is for the seventeenth. Six things to do for the weekend. Exactly. Um, February seventeenth. Uh, date night at the Met. Congress and chill with Danny Conger at Choco Bar Cortez. Saturday, February 18th, Lego Friends pop-up located at 210 10th Avenue, Manhattan, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. free. Um, Jewelry making workshop um, located at uh, Saskia at Industry City, 5135th Street, 35th Street Building um, 5, Brooklyn, New York. Noon to 4 p.m. February 19th, Black Future Festival. Um, you can check that out at the location. It's $13, of course. 145 Brooklyn Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And finally, Shop Right Kids Cook. Also, um, 1000 Richmond Terrace Building M Staten Island, New York sessions at 11 a.m. to 12 p.m., 12:30 p.m. and 3:30 p.m. Uh, it's eight dollars right there. Um, you can go over the rest of everything on amnewyork.com/slash things to do for the weekend from February 17th to the 19th. All right, so all right, all right, so. That's gonna do it, man. I'm gonna wrap this up right here. So let's get to all right. We'll wrap this up right now. We're gonna wrap this up here. All right, so let's get to stream choices on the go, man. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's go. We get the stream choices on the go. I gotta wrap this up right now, man. All right, so let's get to it. All right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, let's wrap this up here. Um, all right, I'm gonna wrap this up. Um, all right, all right. Make sure you follow Off the Meat Rat Chains New York podcast on Facebook and Instagram, alongside with my my sports podcast, which is excellent fun vibrant talks podcast meticulous vibe juice podcast um review show i'm not going to be able to record episode 115 i'll try to record tomorrow or the next day or monday but um you can also follow me on the gram which is g money stacks 555 in queens new york and also be sure be sure to go to the link in bio and 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 go to all the other streaming platforms that I'm about to mention, leave a voice message on anchor.fm slash gmoneystacks slash message. Anchor, Audacity, Audible, Audio Burst, Amazon Music, Breaker, Castbox FM, Deezer, Listen Notes, Moon FM Podcast, Player FM Podcast, Podbay, Podfriend, Podhound, Podopolo, Podorama, Podcast Index, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Podverse, Reason FM, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, the number one app for music, radio, and podcasts, and of course, and of course, and of course, YouTube included. Uh, make sure you subscribe, click the Noni Noni bell, and be sure to tap the tap in the alerts. 
more video content, upcoming episodes, previous episodes. Share the videos, share the episodes, download the episodes, download the episodes, listen, listen, stream, share, comment, and watch the episodes. And of course, be sure to tell a friend to another friend and and also spread the word. Word of mouth is important. And of course, do the same by sharing the podcast and the link with your husbands, wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, and friends and people you cool with from work. All right. That's it. I'm your man G Money Stacks, aka the Greg in there. Thank you very much for listening to episode 238. And we covered a lot in DC comics and stuff like that. So let's get it. So let's um let me just say this though, man. Remember the grind doesn't stop. Hard work pays off. You want something you work hard and you earn it. New York wasn't built in a day. And and be sure to be sure to look for something that makes you happy. Do what you love to do. Um, be on your P's and Q's that clicks to you, that gets you into your zone with alongside with tunnel vision. And make sure you download these apps that I just mentioned to you um not too long ago on your iPhones, Android phones, iPads, Android tablets. Laptops include Mac, Apple, Dell laptops, as well as Windows as well. So make sure you do that. Make sure you do that download, comment, and all that other stuff right there. So that's going to do it for me, man. I'm out of here. Peace and one love. I'm off this shit. Thank you very much. Peace and one love. Have a nice weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy the weekend. Stay liquid. Be careful out there. Peace and one love. Good night, everybody. Listen, folks, if you like what you heard, I need your help on a couple things. If you like to support Off the Meat Rack Chains New York podcast, you can show some love by following the show on Facebook and Instagram with the same name at Off the Meat Rack Chains NY Podcast. O F F T H E M E A T R A C K C H A I N Z. N-Y-P-O-D-C-A-S-T 
alongside with my primary Instagram handle, G Money Stacks 555 in Queens, New York. And go to the YouTube channel, G Money Stacks 555. Be sure to click the subscribe button. Grab the notification bell so you can be reminded on when the show goes in the air live via live stream. More video content, upcoming episodes, previous episodes that will automatically be posted after the recordings. Like, comment on the episodes with the topics, share the videos, download your favorite episodes, rate, spread the word to a friend, to other individuals. Please be sure to share the podcast with audio streaming choices to your friends. The audio streaming services includes Anchor, Audio Burst, Breaker, Deezer, Listen Notes, Player FM, Pocket Cast, Podbay, Podfriend, Podcast Addict, Podorama, Podchaser, Reason FM, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. I'm G Money Stacks, and thank you, listeners and watchers, for tuning into the podcast. One love.